0: The, the letters to the Corinthians, and especially, you know, we're looking at the second one in this series, but both of those letters were written to a church in somewhat of a hopeless place and hopeless situation. They were living in a culture that, that valued everything contrary to what God words, God's Word values and tells us to live by. They lived in a world that was very outwardly focused, very pleasure-oriented, and, um, and they lived in this reality of, of earthly struggles and temptations and persecution. And Paul is trying to, to direct them with these letters to, to focus on the spiritual realities and the divine realities in their life in the midst of the world that they live in. That was really strikingly similar to the world that we live in. So let's read um, chapter 4 together, which is what we're looking at this morning in our message. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Let me just stop here real quick. This ministry he's referring to is what we talked about in the message two weeks ago. Last week we took a time out from the series to talk about missions. Two weeks ago we talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's uh, what he's referring to here. Um, that through God's mercy we have this ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, ministering to us, which is the reason that we do not lose heart. And then in verse 2, Rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. See, the Holy Spirit's ministry in us is, is Jesus in us. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And so having, having the Holy Spirit in us means we have the spirit of truth, which, which means we live in truth. We don't use deception. We don't live in secret and shameful ways. In verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to... to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So this is a picture of us as, as Christ followers. We are the jars of clay. We are these fragile, broken vessels that have an incredible treasure in the Holy Spirit. And we'll go into that more um, in our message. But it's a great picture. We are hard-pressed. I love this. Th- this is my favorite part of this passage, the next few verses. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore we speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. I love the certainty and confidence that Paul talks with here. He says, we know, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with jesus and present us with you in his presence all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of god therefore here it comes again we do not lose heart we do not lose heart though outwardly we're wasting away yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles i know they don't feel light and momentary in the moment do they but for our late and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I can't wait to dive into that with you after the video we're going to watch now. That's a powerful video all kinds of situations um, where people lose hope, dire situations. In, uh you know, as humans, we have an incredible capacity to make it through certain things and situations through hardship and uh, suffering. There's a lot of things we can live without, isn't there? We, we can actually live without shelter. You know, at our north campus we have a good number of people that actually do live without shelter. We can live with little clothing, you know, we can we could probably even live without a car, huh? Some of us be tough, but we can live without a lot of our possessions. Found the statistic we can actually live, we can survive four to six weeks without food. Not that we would want that, but we could live four to six weeks without food. We could live two to ten days without water, depending on temperatures. But you and I could live for ten to, two to ten days without any liquids. We could survive three to maybe five minutes without oxygen. We couldn't make it one minute without our cell phones, right? <laughs> no. No. There's a lot of things we can do without for a certain amount of time. But the one thing we cannot live without, literally for one second, is hope. Because when you don't have hope anymore, then you lose your will to live. The reason you're breathing today is because you have hope. You might have little, but there's hope that there is something else, that there is something better. Because when we don't, when we lose hope, when we lose heart, is really when we lose the capacity to live. When I was thinking about this, about losing hope and losing heart, I was thinking, you know, we can really only lose something. The very definition of losing something means you had it once, right? We can only lose what we once had. And there's a lot of things that we've had that we've put our hopes in, that we've wrapped our hearts around, isn't there? I can think of of multiple things that I in the past and maybe even currently have set my hope and have have, have wrapped my heart around. There's relationships that I have placed hope in in the past. I I have placed hope and wrapped my heart around finances in the past. Anybody with me on that? We wrap our hearts around belongings at times. For some of us, our hope might be in, in our status, in our position in life, in, in how people perceive and view us. Our hope can be in that. Our hope can be in our performance. This has been a, a big one for me my whole life, that I've, I've placed my hope in what I can achieve. Maybe some of you can identify with it, with, with your performance, maybe intellectually. Intellectually. Or physically, maybe professionally, for a lot of us guys, maybe for, for a lot of you women, it's what, how do we perform in our job? What kind of mother am I, or you? What kind of father am I? What kind of pastor am I? Performance, we can set a hope in our performance. I, I did this really all my, my youth, my childhood and youth long. My, my hope was always that I would become a professional soccer player. And it was, it was more than a, a hope. It was more than wishful thinking. It was an obsession. It was my performance in athletics, in soccer, that that defined me. Because I realized that that performance also defined how people viewed me and there was never a doubt that I would become a professional soccer player in my mind I was so focused on that my my hope was so much on that my heart was so much wrapped around that that it literally became my meaning and purpose I, I might have shared this before I don't know but I would I would on my way home from school I would literally, in my mind, play through situations on the field where I would score certain goals and and I would imagine the interviews that I would give later on and and I was preparing myself because there was no doubt that I would play professional soccer. And then it got taken away. This short before signing my first professional contract. And it took everything away from me. It It shattered my hope And I lost heart in that situation. Now, God used that, but it was an incredibly painful thing to go through to lose that kind of hope and to lose your heart on something that you had so wrapped your life around. And it affected all these other areas that, that... You know, we we set a hope, and it affected the relationships I had. It affected the status that I had achieved. It affected my future belongings. (laughs) Trust me, it affected my future finances and, and status. It was really a devastating experience. I was miserable. This is what William Shakespeare said about miserable people. He said, the miserable have no other medicine but only hope. Miserable have no other medicine but only hope. My German brother Friedrich Nietzsche, the philosopher who actually took his life, he said this in typical fashion. He said, in reality, hope is the worst of all evils because it prolongs man's torments. (laughs) See, he saw hope as something so futile, it keeps you going a little bit, but in the end it's all hopeless anyway. That's Friedrich Nietzsche. You know what's interesting to me with this topic of of hope is we live in a culture today, in a civilization that has undoubtedly more than any civilization or culture before us. We have more wealth, more belongings. We have more free time, believe it or not. We have more hobbies. We have more entertainment. We have more of everything, don't we? Great reason to be hopeful and optimistic, isn't it? But at the same time, there has never been a culture and a civilization with higher numbers of suicide and depression and hopelessness. How can that be? I, honestly, the only explanation that I can come up with is that, that maybe, actually not maybe, that for sure we as a, as, a, as a civilization, as a culture, a Western culture, we have put our hope And we have wrapped our hearts around the wrong things. We have placed our hope in the wrong places. There is no other explanation. So that's what we want to talk about this morning. What does divine hope look like? Not earthly hope in people or belongings and finances and a job and and retirement. But what does godly hope look like? Divine hope in the midst of the struggles that we go through. That's why today is titled, Divine Hope in Earthly Struggles. But I would like to pray before we dive into this, if you would. Let's just quiet our hearts and uh, go before Jesus. Lord, it is so good to be in your presence It is so good to be in the presence of of others, to be in community here this morning. It's so good to seek you together. And Lord, you know how inadequate I feel this morning. You know how inadequate I am to deliver your word. And I thank you that I don't have to do that, but that your Holy Spirit is here this morning, that you're present and that we have your word and that you've told us you will speak through your word. And that's what I pray for this morning. But that you would take me out of the way, would take everything else out of the way, but that you would speak hope into our hearts this morning. And what I want to pray for everyone here who, who came here this morning with hopelessness, who came here maybe despaired, beaten down, Lord I pray that you and your Holy Spirit would speak hope this morning. So I just want to submit to you and your leading and thank you, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. All right, so we're, we're just going to go through this passage, kind of verse by verse, um, and I want to start out with um, the first two verses again of this chapter four of Second Corinthians. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the reason why we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We do not lose heart. So the question really is this morning, in the light of, of situations that we doubtlessly all go through, I'm sure we've all encountered this, whether it's, it is financial hardship or letdowns or losses or disease, we've all lost hope in something. We've all lost our heart at times. So the question is, how, how spiritually, how do we not lose heart? How do we not lose hope? And I, I believe strongly that this passage gives us great answers to that and truths that we can draw out and and plan in our lives so how do we have hope in all circumstances let's read um, verses 5 through 7 here in this chapter 4 paul says for we do not preach ourselves but jesus christ as lord and ourselves as your servants for jesus sake for God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jaws of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I think the first truth that, we, that jumps out at me in this passage right away here in verse 5 is that the only way to have hope in all circumstances and to not lose hope in any circumstances is if our hope is placed in nothing else but Jesus. If our hope is in nothing else but Jesus. Not in people. Paul says here, we do not preach ourselves, but we, as people, we're so prone to attach ourselves and attach hope to people, isn't it? Actually, in another place, Paul um, talks to, to one of the churches and says, don't, don't tell who you're, you're following, Paul or Peter or Barnabas or whoever. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Even in our churches today, we're so prone to to almost worship leaders in churches and we follow this guy and we follow that guy and we we put a hope in him and in him. Let's not put a hope in Dave Nelson. Let's not put a hope in Brad Olson or Dave Eltschalk or Christian Kocherscheid with that weird name. Our hope as a church, as K2, is in Jesus, not in Paul and not in a person. Have you ever put your hope in a person? Have you ever really put your hope in a person? Maybe a partner. Maybe, I mean, a relationship partner. Maybe a business partner. Maybe even a politician. Maybe you've put your hope in an athlete before. I do that every fall with my South Carolina Gamecocks, you know. And I I should have learned by now that they let me down every fall. But they do, you know. We, maybe you've put your hope in a parent in the past. You know, whoever, if you've ever put your hope really in a person and depended on them for your expectations, then I guarantee that we all have one thing in common, and that is that we've all been let down. We have all been let down. We've all lost hope in somebody. Maybe you've put your hope in, uh, in your own wisdom in the past. Anybody with me on that? Anybody put their hope in their own understanding of the financial market and the real estate market and, and you've, you've, you've put all of your eggs in a basket and you've put your hope in that investment? Or you've put your hope in, in this real estate deal or you've started a business and, and all your hope was in that? And then that let you down? You know, I, I think we need to define hope, actually. You know what hope is? I looked it up in Webster's. So here's a German defining an English word for you. Hope is an expectation, a positive expectation that is centered in a person or thing. Okay, hope is a positive expectation in a person or thing that is centered in a person or thing. So when you place your hope in a person or in an outcome or in a thing, it becomes the center of your life. That's what really hope means, to set your heart on something. It becomes the center that you revolve around because you depend on it. Does that make sense? It centers your expectation on something. And, and that's quite frankly what happened with me in my hope of becoming a soccer player. It was the center of my life, no doubt. Did I go to church? Yes, I taught Sunday school, and, and that was all good. But the center of my life was my future as a soccer player. That's what everything evolved around. That was my hope, the center of my expectation. And that is why Paul is saying don't put your help, hope in anything, don't put your hope in me, don't center your spiritual life around Paul the Apostle. Put your hope in Jesus. We preach Jesus, put it in Jesus. Because he's the one that will bring light into the darkness of your life, he says here in these verses. He's the one who is worth your hope. He's the one who is worth being at the center of your life. You know why? Because he's the only one that will not and cannot be taken away from you. See, we lose heart. This is important. If you're taking notes, write this down. We lose heart when our heart is wrapped up in things that can be lost. We lose heart when our heart is wrapped up in things that can be lost. We don't lose hope when our heart is wrapped up in things that cannot be lost. And that's Jesus. Everything and anything else can be taken away besides Jesus. That's why in another letter to the Philippians, Paul writes this. He says, but Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. The word rubbish here is actually the word used for... Um, Dung, I mean, it's, it's a really ugly word. He considers everything besides Jesus rubbish compared to him. See, his heart, he had learned to wrap his heart around and to set his hope, to center his life around Jesus alone. Because Jesus is the only one who will not and cannot be taken away. See another important thing to understand about hope is whatever you place your hope is becomes your purpose and meaning. And and what we see described here in these verses in 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 Corinthians chapter four, Second Corinthians four, is is the reason why we do as a church what we do. It's because we want to be centered around Jesus. He's become the light that shined in our hearts. He's given us the Holy Spirit and He's charged us to give that hope that we have, that He's given to us, to the world around us. That's the purpose of K2, the church. That's the purpose of the New Testament church, is to carry that hope and the message that only Jesus is that hope into the world around us. Because He can't be taken away. Elsewhere we read that nothing, Absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. It says he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will stay the same. That's why he's the only one that is worth making the center of our life. He's the only one worth setting our hope in. So the first truth is we we have hope in all circumstances if we put our hope where it's worth putting, and that's in Jesus the second truth is that we can have hope in all circumstances if we allow to, the Spirit to help us and to strengthen us. In, in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, several weeks ago when we started this message, and I don't know who spoke down here, maybe it was you Brad, I know it was Dave up north, he talked about us being sealed by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 1 verse 22 it says that God put his seal of ownership on us. Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sealed us as His. We're His for good. And then in these verses here, 5 through 7, the light that shines in our heart is the Holy Spirit that God's given us. Jesus' presence in our heart is the light that brings light into the darkness. And the Holy Spirit is the treasure in jars of clay here in this verse. Now I want to explain this this picture of jars of clay a little bit. Jars of clay were kind of the equivalent of of our tupper wear boxes today. All right. A a very inexpensive uh, way to store things. I mean it was clay. They had an abundance of clay, but if you know anything about clay, it's not super strong. It doesn't always look very pretty. And so what they would do in those times, they would put their most treasured possessions into this this not very valuable, sturdy jar of clay because the thinking was nobody would suspect something this, this valuable in a jar of clay. I mean, this ugly, rugged, cracked part of, of, of clay. And that's the picture that is used here for, for Jesus' presence, for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Seriously, who would suspect and expect the presence of the Holy God, the creator of the universe, His Spirit, His presence in Me? In me and in you? Now, granted, some of us are prettier than others, but we're still just human, fragile vessels. Jars of clay that crack, that get old. And we carry the presence of God in our lives. The treasure in jars of clay. That's the Holy Spirit. And it's he who is the all-surpassing power in our lives that comes from God. See, looking at me, if, you, if God works through me, then we know it can't be me. That's why the, this jars of clay, I mean, God's presence, it can't be the pot. It's the treasure inside. See, I know I can't speak truth into your life. So if this morning truth is spoken into your heart, we know it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, not me. And that's true for all of us. We are the jaws of clay with an invaluable treasure that we carry in the Holy Spirit who gives us this all-surpassing power to have hope in the midst of struggles. It's not us just pulling ourselves out and, and pulling ourselves together. It's us quitting to try and and pull ourselves out and relying on this all-surpassing power that we have in the Holy Spirit. Let's read these verses 8 through 12 again. We are hard-pressed on every side. Anybody ever feel hard-pressed? I feel hard-pressed at times. We're hard-pressed but not crushed. We're perplexed. I love that word, perplexed. We're confused. We're, we're, we don't know what's going on. I'm, ever, anybody ever perplexed? We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Not because we're strong and we're great and we're good. It's because we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have the all-surpassing power of the Holy Spirit that keeps us from being, being crushed, keeps us from despairing, keeps us from being abandoned and from being destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned. What does that describe? That describes hope. That describes hope. There is hope for you and for me. And why is there hope? It's very clear here. The reason for hope is because Jesus died. There had to be death. And the second part of that is Jesus is alive. See, his death gave us hope because there is forgiveness. And his life gives us hope because we know there's more than just this. And his life gives us the Holy Spirit who gives us the strength to carry on. In another letter to the Galatians, Paul writes in verse, um, chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, that's what it's talking about. We always carry around in our body the death of Christ. Part of of receiving the Holy Spirit is what he describes here in Galatians, is us giving up our life, surrendering our life to Jesus. And so that's why he says, death in my life, Paul says, my surrender to Jesus is part of bringing you life. See, by us surrendering our lives to Jesus, we have the capacity through his presence in us to bring life into other people, to bring hope into the lives of people around us. Another great truth in connection with that is if you cannot lose your heart if you've already given away your life. Did you catch that? You can't lose your heart if you've already given away your life. If you've said, Jesus, take my life, it's all yours. By doing that, you have placed your hope in him. You have given your heart to Jesus, which means you can't lose it anymore because it's already his. Jesus says in Matthew 16, he says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. See, that's the aroma that that Dave talked about a few weeks ago. The aroma of Christ is a life surrendered to Him, given to Jesus and then used by Him, filled with the Holy Spirit that becomes so evident to people around you. See, we can have hope in all circumstances, in every life situation, if our hope is in Jesus if our life has been surrendered and given to Him, and if we rely on the Holy Spirit, His all-surpassing power in our lives to carry us through these times. That's, by the way, why the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter, because He comforts us in those times. He gives us hope when we don't have any. And then the third truth that brings hope into our lives that Paul talks about here is that we know that we have a future with the Father. And see, this is, here is where the, where the Trinity comes in. We, we put our hope in Jesus, we rely on the Holy Spirit, and we have a future with the Father. Let's have a look at verses 13 through 15 in Second Corinthians 4. Paul says, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. See, we know, we can know that we have a future with the Father. The question is, do we really believe that? Sure, we can say all the right things, can't we? I've learned to say the right things since I was five years old. Grew up in church all my life. I had the right pad answer for you on the drop of a hat. Anytime. Wake me up at night. We can say all the right things we really believe it? Do you really believe that you have an eternal future in God's presence? Now you know for, for a lot of us it's really abstract, isn't it? You know, my, my son Casey recently told me, said, Dad, I don't know if I want that. Just church for eternity? <laughs> and I said, oh, it won't be like K2, don't worry. <laughs> I won't be speaking forever. <laughs> but you know, I think we have a really wrong concept of of eternity with the Father, and I don't know if we have the time to. I just want to share a few thoughts about that. We don't, and I think next week actually we'll have time to go into this in a little bit more detail. We will be raised again, all right? Who do you know that's already been raised from the dead? Jesus, right? Did he go straight onto a cloud and play a harp? <laughs> all right. See, that's the picture we sometimes. Oh, we're just going to be floating around singing hallelujah all day. He was raised with what? He was raised in a body. He was raised into a physical body, now a supernatural body. He could walk through doors and beam himself from here to there. And, but you know what? He had, he had meals with his disciples after his resurrection. There'll be food. Yes. He had meals. He digested food. He had wounds still. His resurrection body had the healed wounds of his, of his death. The Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth in eternity. I'm just going to throw this out here. I believe very strongly that eternity with God is the restoration of his intentional creation of the perfect community that Adam and Eve had with him, of, of being able to, to communicate with, with, with the Father the way Jesus did on, while he was on this earth. We'll go get more into this, but we have an eternal future with the Father, with the intentional, the, the original creation restored to perfection. That's what's in store for us, and yet we live with these with these blinders, and all we see is the here and now, when that's only a drop in the bucket. See, that's our hope for the future. And we operate like that in this life all the time, don't we? We set goals, and that's that's our hope. We look to that for the future, and we endure things in the short run for that greater purpose. That's what he's talking about here. In verses, let me just, I'm totally out of my my order here, but... In verses 16 through 18, we said, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that that far outweighs them all. See, that's what he's talking about. Sure, this is hard at times, but in the scope of what's ahead, in the scope of God's plan for us, it is light and momentary. It's not to diminish what you're going through right now. But it should set our eyes on the, on the future and the hope that we have with him. We do have hope right now because Jesus is with us and he's given us the Holy Spirit to endure whatever comes our way. But there's even greater glory ahead for us. And I think we, we so often lose sight of that. And that's what I mean. Do we really believe? Do we really believe we have an internal, perfect Future with God? Because if we do believe that for the future, it should affect our actions in the present. He said, We knew that. Interestingly enough, in the video, did you hear one of the newscasters said, We don't have hope. Why? Because we don't trust that anybody's telling us the truth. Remember that? That was brilliant. Because Paul can say, I know he has hope and he, he has certainty. Because he trusts the truth of what God has revealed. He believes. Do you believe? tell you, hopelessness is always the result of not believing something. Do you believe that what God said is going to happen is going to happen? Paul did. And he said, I believe, therefore I speak. I believe this. I know this. I have hope and I can't shut up about it. And that's our role as a church. That's our role as K2, whether that's north or south or east or west. I don't care. But we know because we believe. Are we talking about it? There's a world out there without hope. And we have it. Are we talking about it? Are we talking about it outside of these walls? We need to talk about it because only if we talk about it can others experience the hope that you and I already have. We do not lose heart, it says again in verse 16. I'll be closing in a few minutes so the band can come up. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So here's the deal, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what they say? Why are we not losing heart? It's because we're being renewed day by day. There is a renewal process that takes place, even though our outward bodies are wasting away. And if you're 30 or older, you know that's happening. <laughs> it's happening. You know, I'm not as fast as I used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I mean, we're wasting. Let's just... It's happening. <laughs> it's obvious. But inwardly, we're being renewed. We're getting younger and younger and our soul is getting refreshed and stronger. Anybody seen the, the curious case of Benjamin Button? Yeah, where he Was it Brad Pitt, I think, where he was born old and he just got younger and younger and younger and everybody else got older and older? That's kind of what's happening. Our body is getting older and older, but our spirit's getting younger and younger and stronger. And, and it's the curious case of Jesus living in you through the Holy Spirit. It is. See, at some point you're getting your body's getting older and our bodies will die (laughs) eventually. But your spirit will just get younger and younger and outlive your body eternally. That's our hope. And then it says we fix our eyes on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on what is eternal. It's important to to know where you're going, isn't it? I read about these um, channel swimmers, these crazy people who swim from England to France or the other way around. I don't know. I'd rather go from France to England personally, but don't tell my wife she's French. So, so they swim. I think it's about thirty kilometers or something. And a lot of them quit. Not because they don't have the strength or the training to do it. You know why most of them quit? And most of them quit within like a mile of the coast. You know why? Because so often fog comes in, and they cannot see the shoreline. And they lose hope that they can get there. That's why most of the channel swimmers quit. I recently did my first triathlon three weeks ago. And the last transition from biking to running was brutal you know you swim you bike you run right so i got off the bike and i had done a lot of training i had gotten in shape and i i knew i knew physically i could do it but the transition was so hard i couldn't feel my legs it was just and i was ru- i was running still and i thought there's no way you're gonna finish this there is no way you're gonna finish this christian you, just, you might just well walk right now and then i started picturing the finish line because i knew i had some friends waiting there so maybe pride was involved a little bit in this but <laughs> but i started picturing the finish line i said no i want to run over there i want to finish this and then the other picture was my first in and out burger in three months after that <laughs> so what i did i focused on what was ahead of me i focused on the goal and on the price and i'll tell you it did the trick for me Dream. and i finished it and I, I felt renewed and strengthened and i and I finished the end, and I finished strong. That's the same principle here. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because if we keep fixing our eyes on Him, keep your eyes on the prize, and He will keep you going. And you have the Holy Spirit, and with the all-surpassing power in you, you have a treasure in jaws of clay. you have God's strength at your disposal. And so I just want to challenge you with this today. I would just ask you to check your own hearts. Sit before Jesus today and say, God, reveal to me where I have placed my hope in anything but you. Show me where I haven't relied on, on your Holy Spirit, on your strength to get me through. Show me where I have sinned by relying on me or others. Show me why I have put something else in the center of my life other than you. He will reveal that to you and then bring it to him. Confess and repent and put him back where he belongs in the center. In the center of your life, in the center of your hope. And then keep your heart wrapped around him. Because if your heart is wrapped around him, you cannot lose it because you cannot lose him. So in closing, I want to share this one verse with you, which perfectly wraps up this message, I think. And maybe I should have just read this verse and walked off the stage, but here it is. It's Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.